Hello, my name is Christine Murray, Editor-in-Chief of The Developer, and welcome to The Developer Podcast, where we talk about how to design and develop cities worth living in, which often has to do with the spaces between the buildings, as much as the buildings themselves. In this podcast, recorded at The Developer Live Risk and Resilience, we hear from Martin Farrington, Development Director from Leeds City Council, about how the city has improved its flood defences in recent years. Uh, yeah, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, as, as said, my name is Martin Farrington. I'm the Director of City Development at Leeds City Council. So I look after the physical, economic and cultural aspects of the council's activities. Um, I am a chartered surveyor by background, and uh, I also dipped out of science uh, at O-level. So I never imagined that I would be speaking at the Science Museum. But probably what's good for a Friday afternoon is this will be a very lay narrative presentation rather than one that's packed with lots of technical detail. So, if you don't know uh, Leeds, uh, one of the UK's core cities, the largest commercial centre on the eastern side of the Pennines, um, it's the city region's total economy is worth £60 billion, which is an economy larger than the size of Wales, with a population of 3 million people. It's also home to Leeds Station, which is at the heart of the city, which um, is the busiest transport hub in the north of England, so a critical piece of infrastructure. And, specifically for this discussion, uh, the River Eyre, which uh, its source is about 35 miles north in the Yorkshire Dales, runs through the middle of the city, and historically it had no um, formal flood protection, so it was a big risk for the city. Um, and so I'm going to look at three cases, three case studies, uh, our flood alleviation scheme one, which is complete, our flood alleviation scheme two, which we are ongoing, and the White Beck scheme, which is ongoing. Beck, for those of you that are not from Yorkshire, technically you'll know it as a stream. Okay, good. So, um, I mean, this slide demonstrates the, um, the instances of flooding uh, in recent times in Leeds City Centre. And what you see is an increase in uh, rapidity of flood events, 2000, 2004, 2005, 2007. So it was quite clear at that time that Leeds had a problem and it had to bring in some formal flood defences. Uh, the Environment Agency came forward with a scheme. Uh, this scheme at the time had a cost of £190 million. It was a one in 200 year standard of protection. It wasn't universally um, supported in the city because it was, it was um, based on traditional flood defences by the river. And in, uh, at points, it meant uh, defence heights of two to three metres, which uh, I think you'll appreciate became an impediment to be how people relate to the river. Um, but then in 2011, on the back of the credit crunch and the, the, the cuts in capital expenditure, that scheme uh, was abandoned. And also at that time, Lee City Council stepped up and became the lead local flood authority under the Flood and Water Management Act. Now, it was at this time that we went to see the Secretary of State. Um, and it was an interesting meeting because um, I think the Secretary of State uh, was briefed to... Um, 
rebuff Leeds asks for flood defences because of the cost at £190 million of the scheme that was proposed. But that isn't actually what we did. We'd done a lot of work and we'd said, we feel that we can be innovative working with our design team, working collaboratively with the Environment Agency, and we can bring forward a different scheme that provides flood uh, defence measures from the city centre going south for uh, eight miles, um, and that that would only cost £51 million and deliver a one in a hundred year standard of protection, which the government welcomed. They welcomed that, that innovative approach, and we therefore secured um, about £40 million of money with £10 million of our own that we put on the table to deliver that scheme. And so this would just show you that if, if the original EA scheme had, had, had gone ahead, that was sort of the line of defences that would have taken place at the river. And I think you can appreciate from that photograph the significant imposition that it would have made. Um, and so what we had was three elements to the scheme, and it was all designed to minimise the use of formal linear flood defences along the riverbank. And the first two elements was one, taking out the Victorian weirs, uh, which were there for navigation purposes in the Victorian times, um, and replacing them with movable weirs, which was something that had ne and still has not been done in the UK before. The second was to take out a strip of land that separated the river from the canal called the Nostrop Cut. It was about one and a half kilometers in length to increase the capacity of the waterway. And then the third and final element was linear flood defences. Uh, and so here you see the works being put in to uh, build the new movable weirs. And just by way of animation, uh, this is the weirs now uh, shown as they are under normal circumstances. And then as the water rises, as it did last night, um, then we will, at, with, at an, a point of agreed trigger, with the Environment Agency, lower the Nostrot Weir first, and that is what we did last night. If the flood conditions then get even worse, we would lower the Crown Point Weir. And that, therefore, reduces the, the um, height of the water in the river by about a metre, which in terms of that metre saving is significant then in terms of the linear defences that we bring forward. And here you see, while they were being built, a speed up of those weirs being put back into position. So it gives you um, a sense of the scale. It would take about two hours to reduce, to lower the weir and to rise it in, in, in practice. But that, that gives you a, an understanding of, uh, of how that works. And then the nostrop cut, where you can uh, see the nostrop cut here. Um, that's it there, and how it was there. And then you see how it was before and how it is after when we took it away. So there you are, before and after. And so here you have, um, it shows how, um, by adopting the uh, walls, the weir, and the nostrop cut, the actual height of the walls is about 1.3 meters. Um, if it was walls only to deliver 100 a year protection flood defense, it would be 1.87 meters height, which is about 10 centimeters taller than me. 
So that's a significant difference and benefit from using those, those, those innovations. And in regeneration terms, this is a picture of um, Hunslet and Victoria mills. It's a collection of grade two and grade two star mills that sits on the bank of the River Air. These buildings were derelict for four decades. Um, they were spot listed and they were spot listed at a time that the dynamite holes had been drilled uh, to blow them up. There were a lot of challenges, I think, as you look at those buildings and bringing them back into productive use. But flood protection and having resilience against flooding was one of those. So on the back of the flood scheme, providing that protection and a lot of work in a number of areas, those buildings are now being brought back into productive use as apartments, which is a, a, a good story in terms of pre preserving the industrial heritage of the city and giving those important listed buildings a new lease of life. And there you see some of the examples of the linear flood interventions that have, have, have been brought in along the city, including the um, glazed walls here, uh, the, the parapet walls here. So all very integrated into the, into the riverscape of the city. And there you have an image of the Nostrot weirs and the footbridge and cycle bridge that we put in as part of that, which is part of the Sustrans Trans-Pennine Trail. Uh, scheme was opened by the chair of the Environment Agency and the leader of Lee City Council in 2017, uh, and it's multi-award winning. Uh, so that was a scheme that we have delivered. Next is the phase two scheme, because whilst we delivered flood interventions from the city centre south, we had to deliver interventions from the city centre north. Um, and that was clearly apparent on the back of Storm Eva, which took place in 2015. It was a one in 200 year event. It um, impacted about three and a half thousand properties, both commercial and residential. Uh, and it was um, a very significant event and one where the government said Leeds would get the level of standard of protection that it needs. Um, and so we took that uh, at face value and against a brief that was signed off by the Secretary of State, we agreed we would do a full catchment approach. And I suppose what I'd say here is, is it's an example of if you have a problem, find the source of that problem uh, to try and solve it. And the source in this instance is Malam Tarn. Uh, now, I have to admit, I was... Um, I was a pupil of Settle High School, which is about here. Uh, and when I was 18, doing my A-levels, I remember in the pouring rain digging the peatland restoration uh, bit uh, as part of my field trip uh, on uh, at Malham Tarn, thinking, why on earth am I doing this? And what will it have to do with anything to do with my life? 30 plus years later, I'm chairing a project board where we're doing peatland restoration uh, at Malham Tarn. Uh, but what we've done is, again, adopted a methodology of, whilst there has to inevitably be hard-edged engineering in the city centre, we want to minimise that. And the way we'd look to minimise that here is by maximising natural flood management proposals in terms of peatland restoration and also tree planting, where... In the, in, in, in the upper and middle catchment, we will be looking to plant about 2 million trees as part of 
making sure we make all of the natural interventions that we can before we start to do the hard-edged engineering in the city centre. Um, now, the challenge we have, and this is where there's been, I mean, I've had these discussions with both DEFRA and the Environment Agency, is you'll be aware of the 25-year um, environment strategy that Michael Gove, when he was Secretary of State, brought out. And it has a number of very progressive uh, and far-reaching proposals in terms of natural flood management and how you optimize those. The challenge we have is that we brought forward a scheme that we felt was right on the money in terms of being aligned with that strategy. However, the methodology for how those schemes are appraised hasn't caught up with the strategic outcomes. So that was a challenge. And so where we ended up with where on the back of a one in 200 year flood event and the promise that Leeds would get the flood defense it needs, we are able to deliver a one in 100 year flood protection from the 65 million pounds that DEFA have very generously provided for that scheme. But it does leave, leave, leave us in the slightly odd position of providing a one in a hundred year flood protection scheme on the back of a one in 200 year event. So if that event did occur again, which it, I think it, there's, there's, you know, on the back of what we've seen this week, there's, there's the likelihood, then the, our measures wouldn't protect. So to move forward, we're taking the 65 million pounds that we've got, the additional monies that we're putting in, plus some monies from network rail, and we are delivering a first phase, and that will deliver one in 100 year protection, including that very significant natural flood management that we're, we're bringing forward. And that will start on site proper next month. And then we are also then looking to bring forward a flood attenuation storage scheme uh, about five miles north of Lee City Centre, which will deliver that enhanced one in 200 year protection. And there you have some key stats of uh, the capital cost, uh, homes protected, importantly, the two million trees that we'll be planting uh, as part of this scheme. And there you have, again, some of the examples of the linear types of uh, defenses that we'll be bringing in. And finally, the Whitebeck. The Whitebeck is in East Leeds. East Leeds is an area where there was rapid gr growth of council housing post uh, World War II about 70,000 homes. Um, and we have wanted to bring forward uh, brownfield sites of low value in the regeneration areas for private sale. But in doing that, we have secured from the house builders a million pounds of Section 106 contributions. So what we've done is we've married together the brownfield housing and regeneration with the Section 106 monies to provide flood protection and then done environmental enhancements as well. So as you come down the White Beck, which is a tributary of the era, Arthur's Rain, Killingbeck, and Holton Moor. And there you see the kinds of natural uh, environment that we've created at, at, at Arthur's Rain as part of the meanderization and wetland that we've created with the Yorkshire Wildlife Trust. Again, examples in Holton Moor. And then that wetland being used, so in a flood event, it can be a storage water storage facility to prevent uh, flooding that has happened in recent years. There you see the meanderization. And there we click through the construction as it moves forward. So in, in, in conclusion, as a city, over the last few years, we've taken a whole catchment approach. We've used innovation as appropriate, not relied on hard-edged ed engineering techniques. And 
really that, that final point of how we've tried to navigate the, the policy and the appraisal position to not get stuck and find ways to continue to move forward and deliver that flood defence that we critically need. Thank you. So it's your turn. Do you have any uh, questions or comments that you'd like to share? Right afternoon. Hello. Um, I know from kind of experience of working on on the projects we have that you know flooding uh, is a very emotive issue, certainly for people that have been involved, um, you know, or have been affected by it. Uh, what kind of community consultation or, in, or engagement have you uh, done on these projects? Because I guess it's interesting because, you know, people will be very emotively involved, but not necessarily engineers. So how do you demonstrate, you know, change and responding to feedback on something like that, where you're clearly being driven by you know, engineering or innovative approaches, but you also need to demonstrate you're listening to people's concerns and they may look at some of the measures that you're proposing and think, well, that's not, that's not going to work. That's not going to help. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been a, and in this time I've got available, it's difficult to, to summarise this, but there's been comprehensive consultation on this approach. And I think because we have tried to minimise the hard engineering linear defences, overall, our approach has been welcomed because people have seen the benefit in contrast to the original schemes that were proposed. But certainly that consultation process has been ongoing throughout all phases of the scheme's development, including for the flood alleviation scheme too, where we used one of the shop units that uh, had been flooded out, we took temporary occupation of it. And as the scheme was in its critical development, provided a drop-in center with all of the uh, exhibitions and models that demonstrated what we were doing. So, it was, so people could come in and engage and discuss the proposition, share their uh, ideas, issues and concerns so that as the scheme came forward ultimately for planning it could go through smoothly. Can I ask what um, if any blockers do you come up against? Um, I, th I think it, I think it's the, the, the appraisal process is, is, is a challenge where particularly where if you're delivering a scheme and just to use the maths very easily, if it's a hundred million pound scheme, a 12 month delay is probably going to cost you four million pounds. So if, 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 if there's an appraisal issue of trying to get two million pounds out of that scheme, well actually you're going backwards. Um, and, and I think given the urgency of where what we're trying to do is to deliver flood protection for an event that could happen at any time, we've tried to maintain the pace so that we can maintain delivery. And that's why on the flood alleviation scheme too, we've broken it down into two phases because we were not going to get through the appraisal process for the full scheme. Therefore, we thought practically, we'll deliver the first phase and get on with it and deal with the appraisal process for the second element in parallel. This podcast has been brought to you by The Developer, produced by Simon Mercer, with music by Fortet. I'm Christine Murray, and you can reach me on Twitter at, at TC Murray. For more podcasts, visit us at thedeveloper.live.